The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it, Roadshow Friday, back here at Rosie's 10th and P downtown for Boys State Basketball. On Hale Varsity Radio, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herb. I hope you're doing all right. Gearing up for championship Saturday tomorrow. First things first, some semifinals to finish off. Big Ten Basketball in full swing as, my goodness, Ohio State stays hot. Plenty of Nebraska football to dive into and talk about as... Coach Rule spent time with the Husker Network last night. We'll have some thoughts on that uh, busy show. Jack Ebling, uh, Mr. Michigan State and Big Ten Insider. He'll join us in 20 minutes uh, from Chicago. Get Jack's take on things as the selection Sunday looms for the NCAA and perhaps the NIT. Also uh, coming up in hour two, the pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman, NBC Sports, the professor, before he is off for spring break. We will uh, give him some, well, some warnings about spring break. Uh, Elijah and I have gathered uh, over the years. Uh, Coming up, Brady Altman's will join us in hour two. And Jacob Padilla live from PBA right around 540. Your chance to get in, if you like, 489-1240, to join the show here on Hale Varsity. You can also email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Send an email that way or just tweet at us at Schmidt underscore radio. Give us a follow or at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. You can watch the show as well as listen. We're streaming on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Also the Hale Varsity Raider Radio Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio. Give that a follow. Catch coffee and cream with Damon and Andrew every weekday morning, 7 to 10 as well. And uh, if you want to watch on Facebook, do so with KFOR, KFOR Sports, and also KFOR Twitter. So uh, it's uh, a lot of energy. You've got a great house uh, here at Rosie's downtown 10th and P. Still a little room for you if you want to get down, get a cold beer or soda. Uh, wings, burgers, chicken, and as Elijah likes to say, give me, he'll look at the menu, point and say yes for the appetizer, right? Because you're a big appetizer. You're making up for lost time. You made that abundantly clear as dear old dad was listening to you yesterday whine about, well, we never got appetizers or soda when we went out. I get it, dude. I get it. I, I got, you get the look. Hey, can we get can we get an appetizer? You just get the look. You wouldn't get the verbal response. You just get the look. And I kind of liken that to the coach rule. Pretty soon, all he's going to have to do to this football team is just give him a look. He'll probably give him a verbal cue as well. Well, it's it's, but, a, uh, it's like training it, a dog. It was good listening to him. It was good listening to him last night. What, what were you saying? It sounds bad, but it's like training a dog. At some point, you can just give your dog <laughs> a look, you know, maybe point a finger at him, and they know. You don't have to say anything to him. They just know, you know what? I'm in the wrong here. You're right, because it's just the, the, the furrowed brow. Point at him once. It's over. It's, it's all, uh, what is that? Uh, which conditioning form is that? I don't know. It's been way too long since Pavlo? middle school for me. Pavlo? 
that could, was dog could be the bell could yeah. be for all I know, I don't know. I'm so far on that. I am not smarter than a sixth grader. Just to just to let you know, I've done the math recently, and I'm not smarter than a sixth sixth grader. That's why I'm on the radio. Mm. <laughs> wow, uh, pretty good stuff to get into from the athletic. A uh, couple of different stories out about uh, coach rankings. We did not get to that yesterday from Bruce Feldman. He ranks his top 25 coaches in college football heading into 2023. Also, what's your What's your team's ceiling at from a recruiting standpoint? Pretty interesting read there to get into. But uh, some takeaways here from from Coach Rule. And it's all, Elijah, about urgency, but it's not all at once. I mean, the process, the steps for this team to, to get where he wants them to be, where they want to be, is is incremental. But there's a big picture and kind of a small script. You go from A to B to C to D, pretty linear here with what they want to do. And and right now, as they gear up for, for spring practice here uh, a week from Monday, he wants this team to just, as he puts it, be able to practice the right way to be a confident football team. And those are two big things. And he's also in really important for him to highlight, and he does, that, hey, there, there are guys on this team. They got better. There's a ton of heart. So their, their, their mind is in the right place. They've just got to go out and do it. And I know that's a little tired and, and you roll your eyes because of the, the, the discussions we've had the last two and a half years with Nebraska football with what the score ended up being, but what you saw on the field. So it, it's it's a pretty good undertaking, but it's not, if we're looking at a football field, you know, where's this program sit at right now? Are they at the 50? Are they on their own side of the 40? Are they on the right or the wrong side of the 50? And right now I'd say they're, they're approaching midfield despite four and eights the last couple of years, and they're not going to talk a ton about the past, but I don't anticipate a year one under rule being like similar year ones under rule just because of the situation he's walking into. Uh, Nebraska football's been a lot closer to 500 or better with uh, some of the talent they've had and some of the ball games they've played in versus the other way that three and nine four and eight that's what they are you've got to close some deals totally get it but uh you'd hope one of them or two of them or three of them dare i say would go your way and it just hasn't been the case that's the fix along with uh, a lot of development that needs to happen with some of the guys that have been in this program and some of the younger guys they're going to be bringing into the program with this recruiting class in future recruiting classes. Well, I like your analogy of where on the field this Husker football team is right now because I go back and I think every single uh, coaching tenure, I mean, you could really even argue every single season is its own football season in, or its own football drive in its own right. But mm-hmm. I think back to, to Scott Frost and where the program was at where uh, where Mike Riley left it. And I really think that that program was backed up further inside its own half of they're the field the, than Matt Rule is right they're now. On their own, they're on their own 30 when he got done with it. You think 
Mike, yeah, I, I, I would, I'd put it back it up further up in their own territory. I'd, oh, I'd put it. So they're, so they're in the shadow of their own goal line. I was going to say, like, you fair caught a and punt I, on the 12. You fair caught a punt on the 12, and you go, you know what? I'll take it. I'm not all that happy with it. You can work with it, though. An 88-yard drive is not the, the be-all, end-all in football. It's happened before, but you're not putting a good spot for it. I think Scott Frost, through the first couple years of his tenure, did actually pick up a couple first downs and that this team was playing well. They were playing more physical, more like a Big Ten football team, but they just lacked a lot of attention to detail, so you had a false start, a couple of holding calls, and boom. They would it, fumble that punt instead of fair catch it, or they'd fair catch it inside the three. Well, I was going to say it's it's third and 20. And, Before uh, Bushy you, got there, you, anyway. You, you throw an interception, and now you've set up the other team on short field. But anyway, <laughs> I, I you think... You throw an interception at the 50, and they return it to the 20. Yeah. That's fair. That, that, that's absolutely fair. That, that was the Scott Frost tenure, and then you get into Matt Rule, and I think Matt Rule went in... I mean, it's nothing too bad. He, he fair caught the kickoff in the end zone. You're going to start it at the 25-yard line. And I think with the additions that they brought in, you still have a long way to go to get this program back to where it needs to be. But I think with additions and recruiting and in the transfer portal as well as some of these things we've heard coming out of winter conditioning with how they're treating the competition year-round, uh, making sure guys know the expectations around this program. I think we can realistically say, though the season hasn't technically started, as we approach spring ball, they've probably picked up one first down. You know, they, they've run a play. They got a quick slant for 11 yards. You're still in your own 36-yard line. You've still got a long ways to go, but you've made that first step on your drive, and, and you've gotten that first first down, which a lot of times is the hardest first down to pick up on a drive because once you start getting some momentum, things will become a lot easier. And where you can start picking up momentum is through spring ball, through summer workouts, and then fall camp starts, and you want to be on the other side of the 50 because you don't want too much work for yourself to have to do to go get a touchdown. Uh, whenever fall camp starts, if you're following my analogy here, but you want to at least be in a, a position where you can continue that drive into fall and make all that hard work that you've done on your own side of the 50 pay off as you get towards the red zone. You don't want any penalties to back you up. You don't want spring to uh, to make it first and 15 or first and 20. Yes. Uh, if we're going along with this uh, analogy here, uh, T.O. left the, the ball in field goal range easily for you for Frank. Frank made some field goals, had some touchdowns. I think Bo set up the uh, the Riley era in scoring position. They were well inside the 30. Uh, they were just trying to get that conference championship, and uh, it, it it went the other way aside from the nine and four season. Well, yeah, with, with Bo, so, with Bo, he got set up at like probably the 35, the 40. Realistically, or pretty close to scoring. You had some development you've got to do. That's picking up that first or second first down. And I think when you look at Bo Pelini's tenure as a whole, he got that ball inside the five, inside the ten a couple times. If we're talking about conference championships, but then he kept on fumbling or turnover on downs, missed a chip shot field goal. That was the Bo Pelini tenure. And then you get Mike Riley around. Who? Oh, his his new offense. It's gonna finally be able to punch that. Ball inside the 10 but the problem was he couldn't get inside the 10 to begin with uh, with just all the issues with physicality and whatnot you were stuck on your own side of the field this is a fun analogy to be 100% honest with you, you No, know, it, it is good and, and right now you know you're trying to get to midfield with with coach rule and uh, where things stand right now let's hear a little bit from coach rule and uh, specifically uh, the, the the chemistry build cut four here uh, actually, hold on. Check that. Let's go first impressions. Let's go cut five here. First impressions of his team as they gear up for spring football. Well, I, I know I know that they're good uh, young men. Uh, they work hard and they try to do what we ask them to do. Um, 
all the things we're doing right now really aren't football. Um, you know, we do some football movements, some walkthroughs, some meetings. You know, there, there's a they've made some. You know, they've, they've acquiesced and allowed some things to happen now. So we're trying to do those things, and the guys are learning the systems. Um, but what we're trying to do right now is build a, a mental and physical toughness, uh, trying to build strength and mobility, trying to build a sense of brotherhood, um, trying to build confidence. You know, when you do a lot of hard things, you start to have a little bit of confidence about you. Like, hey, you know what? I can do that. You know, so. Uh, we're trying to build those things. Those guys have done that. Now the next transition, the next step is to go play football and see uh, see if any of it carries over. That's it. And he wants it done a certain way. He wants it done his way. He wants the coaches to do it his way. And it's, it's honestly one lock step together. And that's all right. That, that's pretty hands-on. That's pretty controlling. But guess what? You, you need it. And that's how Saban runs his show. That's how Dabo runs his show. You know that's how Kirby runs his show. So all of those are important. This will transition us to what Bruce Feldman laid out in his list of top 25 coaches, Elijah. And in it, number one is, is Nick Saban. In it, two is Kirby Smart. In it, three, Dabo Harbaugh comes in at four and not far down this list is Matt Rule he's been out for a couple of years and he comes in at number 15 too high too low just right let's play that game for for just a second and listen he's an absolute favorite of many members of the national media Uh, Not only has he been accessible to them, but it's really cool when a national media member writes how great you are and then you you do a good job, okay? Because national guys don't like to to anoint somebody and then go, you know, man, we whiffed on that. Don't know who I'm thinking of here, but uh, they don't like... uh, egg on their face pretty much but rule comes in at 15 and and that's behind you know the likes of james franklin and ryan day lincoln riley and brian kelly uh whittingham gets a ton of respect lance leipold comes in at number 10 and what he did at kansas last year i know they finished six and seven super impressive luke fickle's been to a playoff clausen quietly kicking ass at, at, at Wake Forest. Chris Kleiman has been nice, won a, won a conference title. Chip Kelly has really rebounded. And listen, Matt Rule comes in. Uh, they aren't detracting from what happened to the NFL, but it's very, very fair to say the NFL's an apple, college football's an orange, and uh, you're back to uh, a comfort level, and specifically with, with what you did uh, what was there after you left when a competent guy like Dave Aranda took over after you left and and uh, went to a Sugar Bowl. So the thing here that is the match for Nebraska, if we talk match game, is, is being tough, is being physical, is being able to have an eye for talent, but also yet recruit nationally and then have that ability to find and develop talent and, and then have a niche, which is going to be speed and toughness for Nebraska. Uh, and they say that is what Rule is top-notch at, is his ability to develop. That is music to Nebraska fans' ears because 
people have been able to do it in the past through development and and you, you really get a good kid and and you make him a, a really good football player you put that combo together that's your uh, that's your winning formula for Nebraska. But my one concern with Matt Rule being at 15 is I feel like it's a being a little bit of prisoner of the moment with him coming to Nebraska. And what he's, he's never coached in college football in the NIL era. Now, based on what we've seen early, I don't think that's going to be a problem, but there's still some things that we haven't seen him have to adjust for yet in college football. So I think it's a little it's a little early to put him ahead of the likes of Kellen DeBoer and uh, Josh Heupel and all these guys that are currently behind him on the list. Those guys have adapted to the new college football. How is Matt Rule going to be able to do that? That still remains a question in my eyes. I think he'll be all right. We'll get Jack Ebling's take on things uh, all Big Ten as we wind it down here. Segment one, Rosie's 10th and P down here for state basketball. It's Hale Varsity presented by Currency. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back here at Rosie's Hale Varsity Road Show on a Friday, 10th and P, where we're at Platteview in York, rocking and rolling. Mike Babcock is going to break something. Uh, Platteview looks like to be moving on to the state championship. Uh, Uncle Mark and uh, Davis and Dixon, the nephews down from Gretna to flex their dragon love and one of my favorite people in the whole world grandma rita is here from hayes center not my grandma but man she's everybody's grandma <laughs> uh, she's she's awesome uh, in major league right they, they brought the uh, the kfc for serrano they would drink joe boo's rum okay the, the sacrificing the live chicken and joe boo's rum helped put cleveland past the Yankees in that playoff, okay? Uh, every time the, the ball club during the summer, they'd need a big hit. And quite honestly, this is over the years of travel baseball. The team was struggling in a tournament, and Grandma Rita wasn't there. Uh, it was a break-in-case of emergency moment where we'd dial Grandma Rita up, we'd put her on speaker, and she has the loudest, most incredible voice loud and raspy and i mean that as a compliment super distinctive and she'd scream rattle them bats and all of a sudden you'd have a 12 run in it without <laughs> fail it was it was awesome it was really good so she's here i think uh, she's having a bush light good for her jack with us yes he is all right Hello. jack ebling uh big 10 insider mr michigan state Six-time national award winner uh, out of the state of Michigan. He is in Chicago. Big Ten basketball tournament. We'll hit some football with him as well. Jack, thanks for jumping on. What the heck happened to Sparty, bud? Well, uh, it isn't who's in Chicago, Chris. It's who's not in Chicago. And uh, (laughs) there are a lot of teams that thought they would be here playing maybe Saturday, maybe even Sunday. And uh, now they're going to be home, and they're going to be watching teams like Ohio State. Uh, Never saw that coming. Wisconsin certainly didn't. Uh, Iowa didn't. Michigan State didn't today, and the Spartans picked a bad time to play a bad game. Where do you think this puts Michigan State, Jack, as far as Sunday goes, seating-wise? I think if they had won today and played respectably tomorrow, they still had a chance at sixth line. Now uh, that's not going to happen, and uh, maybe maybe a seven or an eight, even an eight. Uh, so you know that means you have to play a nine and then a one to get out of the first weekend. 
So that's kind of a daunting task. But, hey, Michigan State uh, didn't deserve it. Had a chance. Everything was set up today. Playing an Ohio State team without its best player. And Michigan State was outscored by 21 points outside the arc. And when you do that in a 10-point game, Chris, that's a recipe for defeat. Jack, what do you make of just the Big Ten as a whole right now as we look at what's going down on Friday? Rutgers gave Purdue everything they could handle a little bit earlier today, and then we see uh, Michigan State get upset by Ohio State. And we've kind of said this all year long. There was a lot of parity in the middle of the Big Ten, but I'm not sure people thought there was this much parity. Yeah, a lot of parity, a lot of exciting basketball. Uh, 15-point lead means nothing, but uh, I think this is a low-ceiling, high-floor lead. And uh, anybody can beat anybody. It wouldn't shock me uh, if we had a couple more upsets here. But it would shock me if we had more than one team uh, in the Elite Eight, and I'm not even sure that's going to happen. So everybody judges by the NCAA tournament, guys. When you think about that, the Big Ten has had a couple of embarrassments the last few years. I think it's poised to have more with the most teams in the field. Have nine teams in, but are going to have more than one beyond the second week, beyond the first weekend? I, I don't know. I don't think so. And and this is the year we're all going to sell stock jack when it comes to bracket wednesday and you watch (laughs) you watch the big 10 end up putting i don't know three in the elite eight i uh you will use your money jack not mine to to put that future bet in but (laughs) uh jack ebling uh spartan and big 10 insider with us hail varsity radio downtown here at rosie's state basketball tournament going on of course college basketball this is the uh predecessor to the madness that is March next week. Jack, uh, I want to get your take from afar on Fred Hoiberg and his season, his February, and are you buying stock in Nebraska basketball? Are you holding? Are you selling? What did this season show you? Well, I've been buying stock in Fred Hoiberg for a long time because I know what kind of guy he is. It's going to take time. It's not done yet. Uh, this is a work in progress, but I think the future is bright for Nebraska basketball. And yeah, they lose a couple of players. And, uh, I think that the way he coaches, he's going to have players who want to play for him. Uh, I think he's going to get a couple of leaders on this team to replace people who are departing. And I would think that uh, Nebraska's going to be on the, on the ascent, and I would be buying Nebraska basketball. Jack, based on what you saw from Nebraska this year, and that includes that disappointing loss to Minnesota we just saw a couple nights ago in the first round of the Big Ten tourney, what do you still think that, that this Fred Hoiberg squad needs to be able to find success in the Big Ten? A lot of Husker fans were expecting the success to come a lot sooner with Fred Hoiberg, and there's been some errors in roster construction. Nebraska hasn't always been able to compete with the yeah. physicality of the Big Ten, but based on what you've seen, what is still needed from Fred Hoiberg in this squad? Well, uh, this is going to sound funny because everybody has injuries, but I don't think uh, Nebraska had very good luck uh, in that department this year. And you know, I, I'm going to contradict myself because I just talked about uh, this league being mediocre, but there are no soft touches in this league. And some people thought, well, Nebraska would be one for a long time. I don't see that happening. And I see Nebraska working its way up to respectability 
and it's going to be in the middle of the pack before we know it. Uh, I can't give you a year when I think Nebraska's going to be playing in the Big Ten Championship game. But I could say that about a lot of teams here. You know, Michigan State has been in that game seven times, and if you talk to Spartan fans right now, uh, you know, they wonder if they're ever going to win again. Jack Ebling with us, uh, Spartan and Big Ten insider, Hale Varsity Radio down here, Rosie's downtown, 10th and P. Jack, we are going to get you back to Lincoln, and uh, we're going to get you down here to, to Rosie's before a football game. Warming up here, and uh, from the noise they're making, you'd think that they just won the Final Four. Uh, I'm going to try to relocate here. No, you're fine. Quickly. You're fine, Jack. The, the ambiance is incredible. A, a loud United Center. That's that's something that we all want to hear. And uh, it's not always the case till Championship Sunday. Jack going to yeah. go to foot. Going to go to football here. And we were just spending time on uh, Nebraska football and uh, where where you think the ball is at if you're staring at a at a football field. What yard line is Matt Rule picking up this possession? Is he at the 50? Is he, is he at his own 40? Is he yeah. inside his own goal line? Where do you think he, what do you think he's no. inheriting with Nebraska football? I think maybe he's around his own 40. I, I don't think he's, he's over the hump yet, but I like his chances to get there. And when you look at the new coaches in the Big Ten West, and I think those are some pretty good hires. And I think Nebraska's got a chance. They're going to be recruiting. Who knows? They might get the top high school quarterback in the country. And even if that does not happen, then I think that Matt Rule is going to turn it around. I think we saw what he can do at the collegiate level. And uh, people say, well, you know, I didn't always work in the NFL. If you don't have a quarterback in the National Football League, uh, you can just mail it in. So I think he's going to be in a great position. You can dictate your own talent a lot easier in college. I think you'll have a great staff there. We know what the fan base is. Um, the necessary elements to win are all there in Lincoln. Jack, you're a guy who's been witnessing the, the rebuild of Michigan State under Mel Tucker, and you got to see a phenomenal year one, bit of a, a step back in year two from Mel Tucker, but I want to get your take on just how important it is to find success in year one in terms of a long-term build of a program. Nebraska hasn't been to a bowl game in a long time, and I think that's an expectation from a lot of Husker fans in year one for Matt Rule. Just make a bowl game, get us playing somewhere meaningful uh, following the regular season, and uh, we'll see if he can live up to that. But how important is year one in your eyes in the grand scheme of a rebuild? Yeah, and uh, I hope the fans there give him enough time to do it. Nebraska fans, I think, uh, certainly frustrated. They've been used to incredible success going way back. And uh, they're impatient like every other group. But I think they have to see positive trends. So I would think that, you know, if they're just, uh, just a little bit patient and give him a chance to get his system in, get his players in, I really like their chances to do something significant. Jack, where is Michigan State football? What's the, 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 the vibe and mindset? Where are they in the West? 11-2 uh, and two is incredible. Last year yeah. wasn't 11-2. Wasn't and two. <laughs> No, no. And uh, they were not an 11-2 and two team. They finished 11-2, and two, but they had Kenneth Walker, and uh, they won the winnable games. Last year, they did not have Kenneth Walker, and they had every conceivable injury you could have. 
they had more injuries in the first three weeks of the season last year than they had the previous season. And you guys know when you don't have depth, suddenly uh, that really matters in the Big Ten. And if you're playing a decent non-conference schedule, you can't go out and play uh, the Washington Huskies in Seattle if your best defensive back, your best linebacker, and your best two linemen are out. So I would think that uh, Michigan State probably a little bit better than the 5-7 and seven team. But, guys, uh, this is just the reality of playing in the Big Ten, especially the Big Ten East. Michigan State's going to be the only team in the country next year that will be playing four top ten teams. That's Washington, Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. Three of the four will be in East Lansing, but nonetheless, uh, you know, let's say you go one and three in those games. That means the best you can do is nine and three. And when you've been 11 and two, people say, well, why can't you do that every year? Jack, we're going to keep you for about three or four minutes on the other side. We're up against a hard break. Can you hang on? Can you do that? Is that all sure. right? I'm putting you on the spot. Sure. Yeah, we're good. Be sure be sure to find Jack Ebling on Twitter, at Jack Ebling, uh, six-time award winner for the uh, Sportscaster and Rider of the Year in the state of Michigan, not only with those magic fingers, but the, uh, the golden tones. Riding and radio. That's right, man. Uh, he is awesome, and he is hanging out in Chicago. We are going to make sure he gets a fillet at Gibson's later. Hail Varsity continues. We're down here at Rosie's 10th and P, uh, presented by Currency. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hail Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency down here at Rosie's Boys State Basketball 2023. Rosie's 10th and P. Come see us as uh, we are gearing you up for the uh, semis tonight and championship Saturday tomorrow. The uh, great Hall of Fame writer, broadcaster, Jack Ebling, Big Ten insider, Michigan State insider with us here from Chicago. Jack, I I wanted to to ask you about your time covering Saban real quick at Michigan State and uh, that experience. I've had friends that have worked for for Coach Saban down at Alabama. We've seen what he's done in, in Tuscaloosa, but... He was uh, pretty salty at Michigan State uh, when he came to Lincoln uh, many years ago. And I'm salty as, a, as an accompaniment. He had that team playing well. Do we have Jack? I thought we did. Okay. Apparently not. I'll get him back on the line here. Okay. That would be good. So uh, we will reconnect with uh, Jack Ebling. He is in Chicago. He may 
have had his phone stripped from him. We have Jack Ebeling back. Jack, we got you. Thanks for jumping back on. You got us? No problem. All right. I was asking you, and I asked just my producer and co-host Elijah, how about old Saban at Michigan State? Do you have a favorite Saban-Michigan State memory or story? Uh, We've seen him obviously go to LSU, go to the NFL, come back from the NFL and do great things at Alabama. But I remember some of those Michigan State teams. He he, he really had some wow wins when he was with Michigan State. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one of my favorites involves Nebraska. Okay. His first game uh, with the Spartans in 1995, uh, Cornhuskers put him on it, put it on him pretty good, 50 to 10. And uh, it was a Lawrence Phillips game. I don't think he had to take a shower. He got in trouble. He got home. Too much energy left. And then uh, it was the next summer, and I was looking for a story, and I had been be nosing around the football building, and I, Nick walked out. I said, "Hey, tell me one thing that's going to be different." in 96. What's going to be uh, new about this team? So I'll tell you one. We're not going to lose by 40 points to Nebraska. We <laughs> lost by 41. <laughs> uh, lost 55 to 14. So he was right, technically, but uh, it was one more point on the wrong side of the ledger. Jack, we ask about Nick Saban because Bruce Feldman recently ranked him a, a top the national list of college football coaches in America. And I don't think you'll find many who will argue with that. I think Kirby Smart is closing the gap, but it's still Nick Saban at one. Coming at number four is a guy that you've seen at least somewhat up close and personal in Jim Harbaugh. I want to get your take on the rise of Michigan football in the last couple of years and also the challenges it presents Mel Tucker and Sparty. Wow. Who did this list? Bruce Feldman. Well, I have a lot of respect for Bruce, but I know he likes Jim Harbaugh. I think Michigan has won in spite of Jim Harbaugh to a significant degree. Uh, you look at Jim Harbaugh's record in bowls, uh, he has won one. Uh, he's been there eight years. If you look at his record against Ohio State, uh, he's won two, less than 30%. If you look at him against his in-state rival, uh, he's four and four, and he's been upset four times. He's been favored in all eight of those games, and I can't recall a single game where I can say Jim Harbaugh made the difference. Very fair take with the uh, the numbers backing that. Matt Rule comes in at fifteen on that list of the top twenty-five coaches. In college football heading into 2023. What do you think, Jack, with Rule coming in at 15? Well, I can't uh, judge who's right ahead of him and who's right behind him, but he's certainly one of the best coaches in the country, so certainly deserves to be in that discussion. And uh, Nebraska fans, when he wins a game, they'll think he should be higher than that. He loses <laughs> one, they'll think that uh, doesn't belong on the list at all. So, uh, you know, that happens. It's part of being a fan, but I would think that Chris, I mean, that Matt Rule has a chance to, uh, uh, Chris Rule actually is an optometrist, I know, so uh, Matt Rule has a chance to do some uh, terrific things in Lincoln, and uh, when you look at uh, Luke Fickle coming in, uh, you know, there's a big changeover at at, uh, Purdue now, uh, so that's going to be different. And uh, I'm looking forward to what the West is going to look like. I guess it's still the West, right? 
and call it that for another year. One more for year. We we get we get a we get a rent the West for a year, and then who knows? Pods probably. Fickle is in at eleven, according to Feldman. Chip Kelly right in front of Matt Rule at, at fourteen. Kleiman at K State thirteen. Kellen DeBoer, who was at Purdue, uh, I should yeah, say at Indiana, was was great. He's in at sixteen. Yeah. Jimbo Fisher's at seventeen. So. Uh, that that's a that's a pretty impressive ranking, uh, being out of college for a couple of years. Jack, we'll end it with this, and thanks so much for your time and giving us insight uh, live from the the Big Ten tournament and talking some hoops and football. Where does Jack Ebling go when he's in Chicago for dinner? Where where's your favorite spot to hit? I know you want a steak. Well, I'm on the seafood diet, as you can tell when you look at me. <laughs> eating everything I see. So, yeah, I like so many different kinds of foods, guys, that uh, it's really not fair for me to point out one. Uh, besides others, may become sponsors at some point. But uh, I did find a little hidden gem here uh, the other night called Lizzie McGuire's. And I just want to put in a, a little plug for that one. But, I mean, you know all the biggies here. And, uh, yeah. Uh, certainly Chicago is blessed when it comes to restaurants. You really can't go wrong. Most famous person you've had dinner with? Most famous person I've had? Uh, Magic Johnson? I was going to say, I, I was going to either go. That would count. I was going to either go. I was going to either go Magic or Izzo, and I think if you ask Magic or Izzo, they're going to say Jack Epple. Well, so uh, no, <laughs> Michigan State lost today, so I can't say Tom Izzo. Okay, I got you. Wow. Jack, you take care. Enjoy uh, uh, a return trip to Lizzie's or, or get that, uh, that, that filet wherever you end up tonight, all right? My, my, my favorite dinner is going to be the one I get from Chris Schmidt when next time I show up in Lincoln. I, I have it set up for you. You're getting a big old, we'll say two-inch thick Nebraska steak. How's that sound? That'll work. That'll work just fine, Chris. Jack, you take care, bud. Thanks so much. Right. Take care, guys. There he is. Jack Ebling with us, uh, Michigan State and Big Ten insider. We, we did miss a, a big food spot, though, that the uh, the Chicago Bears front office, they went for the Carolina barbecue buffet today as they went out and just absolutely landed a haul for that number one overall pick. That was during our interview with Jack. So the Bears would say that Carolina barbecue buffet is the best place in Chicago. Uh, they are uh, all in with the, uh, the, the, the sauce, apparently. We'll see. Uh, we'll get more on that trade as the NFL draft is in Kansas City this year. Uh, and uh, Carolina's smiling. Uh, and Chicago's, uh, who knows if they mo- keep moving back or not. Uh, they know who they want to go get. I think they like the Sikorsky kid out at Northwestern at tackle. Mm-hmm. And they can get him in that 5-10 to 10 range and uh, make a, a, a big-time haul. We'll wind down. This first hour, as Hale Varsity is on the road, we are uh, here at Rosie's, 10th and P. Big thanks to Jack Ebling. Bill Dolman's coming up. Also, Brady Oltman's Hale Varsity, presented by Currency. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. So just giving you an update here as Chicago has moved out of uh, their spot in the first round. Compensation update here. Bears trading the number one pick overall to Carolina. 
for the ninth pick, the 61st pick, the first round selection of Chicago in 2024, a second rounder in 2025, and uh, you have DJ Moore, who's an incredible wideout, is on his way to Chicago, and that's good stuff if you're a Bears fan. At least Danny Burke, our uh, resident Bears fan, the pride of Chicago. I know Coach Smith, Jeff Smith, is high five, and he might even be doing the Super Bowl shuffle. And you and I both know like 40 Bears fans. Oh, yeah. We're surrounded by them. Oh, yeah, and they've been in pain for the last couple of years with the Packers going and kicking their butts every game for the past 10 years. So good for them. I, I think actually whenever I look at this trade objectively, it's a bit of a win-win here because – yeah, Carolina's given up a lot, but they get the quarterback of their choice for the future, whether it be Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, even Will Levis, who I don't think is as good as those first two I've listed, but some NFL scouts out there seem to think he's the future. Anthony Richardson, after a great combine performance, some people are saying, well, maybe he's got a little Josh Allen to him with the arm strength and the athleticism. So Carolina gets their choice of quarterback. I personally am of the opinion that it's going to be C.J. Stroud. I think he's the best quarterback in this year's draft, but that remains to be seen. Carolina gets the quarterback of their future. That's one of the big areas where they've needed to improve over the last couple of seasons. That's the big fault that Matt Rule had there in, in Carolina. It's the fact that well, he didn't have a quarterback. It's not going to be a problem moving forward for the Panthers. They get who they want. They're going to get to develop them how they want. If they screw them up, that's on them. They have the number one overall pick now. Just don't screw it up. As for the Bears, you get a number one wide receiving option for Justin Fields. Uh, you're still going to be able to go, as you said, go back and get an offensive lineman, which seems to be a big area of concern for this Bears team. You're still going to have a lot of uh, picks available for you at nine overall. That's what I think the best part about this year's first round is, is really from five until 25, there's not that much of a, a drop-off in talent. You're in a great spot in uh, between five and 25, at least in my opinion. And uh, they're going to have their choice of who they want to get. And not to mention the fact that they've now banked a first-round pick for next year. That's the one thing that concerns me from Carolina's side is you've gone and lost your first-round pick next year. But you got the number one overall pick. That's going to take multiple first-round picks, I think, as a bare minimum. The fact they're losing two in a row is going to sting. But you're getting your quarterback of the future. Well, we go back to Rule at his time in the NFL. He had Dwight Schrute under center and Teddy Bridgewater. And then they ended up getting Baker Mayfield. All right. <laughs> End of discussion. Period. He, he didn't have a quarterback. Jack Ebling accurately pointed that out. And uh, now Carolina's going a different direction. The, the main thing, as I said, that is going to hurt And them, this is post-Cam Newton, too. I mean, Cam Newton had good years in Carolina. Yeah, no, uh, th that's the main concern with, uh, with the Panthers to me in this trade is just what does your rookie quarterback look like next season? Because you could still end up realistically getting a top five pick even with your, your chosen one quarterback. So losing that to the Bears would, I think, sting for Panthers fans. But at the end of the day, you're not going to win the NFL without a quarterback, and they say this is their best chance to get a, 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 a franchise-changing quarterback, potentially the face of your franchise. I don't hate it for either side. The Bears, with this trade, are saying they think they have it in Justin Fields. Now it's built around him. They've made the best deal to be able to go do that, and the Panthers have made the best deal to be able to go and get themselves a, a face-of-the-franchise-type quarterback. So, realistically, it's trade to me that could work out for both sides. Well, uh, bear down at the email from Coach Jeff Smith. <laughs> Reminder to get buckled up, hands on the wheel, eyes in mind, straight ahead, the driver. One job, that's to drive a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Bill Dolman on the way. 
Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone, you're not customer-facing, it's casual dress, and the work environment, it's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at fscedge.com. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back with you, Tower 2, down here at Rosie's 10th and P. A great contingent from Hay Center to Beatrice to, well, we'll just say Scott over to the east. And Bill Dolman, pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports, the professor. Is it driver's ed time, Cowboy? Are, are you just making a, an exception for us before you go uh, get the old spring break tan on? How are you? People are walking around my truck wanting to know why I have my seatbelt on while my truck is parked. But you just said before break, I think it was, I better click it or I get a ticket. So I wanted to be nice and safe for everybody to let them know that that's what I do on this very important uh, Friday afternoon. So you're not driving and doing the interview. <laughs> you are part. No, I'm not. Just to be clear, no, I'm not. I actually saw okay. this uh, this interview with the UFC fighter. He just lost over the weekend, so I was watching his interview. He's hopped on a podcast, and he had like this full-on like gamer's headset on while he's driving down the interstate, getting back home. Like it was one of the craziest things ever. And I guess I go, well, whatever. You're driving on the interstate. You got the headset on. You don't have to focus on the interview. But it's still just something about it seemed a little off. Better that than perhaps a virtual reality headset while driving down uh, down the road. <laughs> that would be bad. Uh, it, it would be. Bill, a lot to get to. Some football as spring football's around the corner. It's basketball time. March is here. And uh, give me a grade for Nebraska basketball and Fred Hoiberg. They're hoping some teams say, I'm good and don't take an NIT bid. That's Michigan. That's Carolina. They're hoping 20% means 100%. Maybe Fred's on the uh, or, or Trev's on the phone right now. I don't know, but they're they're shot to play postseason ball. Took a monster hit, obviously against Minnesota. But give me a grade. What do you think? Body of work. Well, body of work because you uh, sack punched Iowa twice in one season. That's good enough for me. That's an A, okay? And you get extra credit for what you did to Creighton back uh, in in December. So, to me, this has been a great season. 
Uh, yeah, that the loss to Minnesota was was not good, right? Uh, you win that, and I think there's no question about it that Nebraska's in. But you want to finish strong. And if, if you take a look at that final chapter of the season from November to December to January to February and, and disregard maybe the Minnesota game, you know, Nebraska had a great February. And what Fred Hoiberg did – uh, turning the, the season around from perhaps a, a D plus uh, after the and then you've got the injuries to doing what they did in February and exciting the crowds and people talking about this being a successful season. You know, it, it's it's a C plus B minus, probably a B minus if they if they'd beat Minnesota. But given given the two injuries and when they occurred and what those two guys meant to the team. And the way they adjusted the game and averaging 70-plus points the last uh, last uh, six weeks of the season, you know that's a fun team to watch. I think people, for the most part, will look back on on how they really did finish, and and will think this was a this was an enjoyable Nebraska basketball season. It wasn't a great month of January, that's for sure, but February was a lot of fun. Bill, I think there's a difference between a Husker basketball season being enjoyable in a Husker basketball season being successful and if Nebraska misses out on the NIT going and getting postseason work in can you consider this season a success yes why not just because I said so okay uh people went to PBA in droves 14,000 people watching the team that at times didn't play very well they got their suds on you beat Iowa twice. You beat Creighton. I mean, that, look, I, I, I think what Fred did in turning things around when they had to, when it could have been an absolute disaster, right? And I, I think people, yeah, it, the way they finished, it, it's successful, you know? Given what the conversation was a year ago, you know, Fred can't stay. Got to get rid of the guy. I mean, just up, get rid of the program practically. To where we are now and hoping to get into the NIT, I think it's been a successful turnaround season, at least for Fred Hoiberg. And I think there's promise for next year. Bill Dolman's with us, uh, Hale Varsity Radio, down here at Rosie's 10th and P, ahead of state basketball. The night sessions, the A semifinals going on. Gretna in action, Millard North in action, Bell West and West Side uh, at PBA. Uh, the pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman, off to uh, Sunshine uh, and, and probably some, some recruiting. Uh, you're going to scout. I like it. Uh, we'll go to uh, the. The, the big picture of basketball with uh, with Fred and listen he's back he knows the blueprint of what it's going to take in the Big Ten do you feel confident he can find two replacements for a guy like Walker and a guy like Greasel because he'll need that on top of what's what's developed some of the young guys that have played and got better as the year went on they're gonna have to up up their game uh, a little bit or a lot and then who knows about Tomanaga if he goes or stays I think he's probably gone I have no inside info on that but uh, money talks and uh, there you go but can he get it rekindled here because he's not alone in, in having roster resets every year but that's kind of been his MO with Nebraska until they finally found at least what the formula is the style, anyway, Look, in, the mentality. 
in this in this era of college basketball and so much transition, you know, I, I think that you might see four or five new guys come in um, for, for next season. Maybe one of them, maybe two of them will fulfill those roles that you're talking about with Walker and Greasel. Maybe there are guys in the program right now. You know, eight weeks ago, Sam Hoiberg was a you know a glorified student manager for the most part, and he goes on to be a February star and turned in maybe the play of the year with that steal in the bucket. What was that against Maryland? Uh, it, it, so there might be some guys in that program already. Uh, Lloyd, the point guard, they're very high on him. Jamarcus Lawrence, the second half of the season, grew into a, a terrific Big Ten player. Uh, you know, if they do make that adjustment to the NIL that uh, players from overseas, international players can make some money, then I would bet that Tonganaga might might stay, uh, you know, and play another year because I think he would do quite handsomely uh, after what he's done this year. He's beloved in Lincoln, and he may never have another experience like this, uh, certainly in the States, maybe back home in Japan he will. But if if there's a way for him to make some money, then I think you're looking at him coming back. And uh uh, but I, th- I think in the era of college basketball we're in, I think you can see four, five, maybe six new guys coming in with this team. And Fred is this year of any of any of his seasons has shown that he can adapt and adjust things on the fly. And you know maybe that's what uh, what he has to do next year: get the people in, figure out what they can do, and by the time conference play rolls around, you've got a pretty solid basketball team because you know you can win in the Big Ten. That's proof this year with all those teams that were, what, 10 and 10, basically? Bill Dolman's with us here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. And, Bill, if you don't mind, let's switch gears here, talk some football. And I want to get your take on what's been going down the last week within the Husker football program. It's been commitment week, and I know that word commitment could get your blood pressure up a little bit, Bill, but it's not recruiting. As uh, We're going to be talking uh, just about this this end of winter conditioning. We had Matt Rule on the Husker Radio Network last night kind of talking about what awaits him in spring ball. But, when you look at commitment week, it's been some sort of arduous team activity in the morning followed by a team bonding activity in the afternoon. And then we also had the Husker Olympics a couple days ago. I want to get your take on that. Was there anything like that during the, the Tom Osborne years, all the years you spent around the football program? Do you remember some sort of week like this that seemed to be more about team bonding than it was about actually putting the work in, even though these guys are putting in work? I, I certainly don't remember it as as high a profile thing. I know they had, you know, watermelon feeds and barbecues and tug of war, you know, competitions and and those kinds of things. And then the team bonding that a lot of during the course of the summer when they had to do things by themselves and were accountable to each other. But, you know, this is certainly much more high profile because of the incredible job that that creative staff has done in putting out uh, little snippets on social media where fans get an, uh, you know, an inside look and a backstage look and the kind of look that they want you to see so that people are excited about the things that they're doing. So, you know, yeah, Nebraska, is you always have to do things to get the team together. But in this multimedia era and the social media era, it's just a little more high profile. And let's face it, he sounds like the preacher's son, but he also sounds like he's the son of a salesman because that guy knows how to market Matt Rule and market his concepts and to get people, uh, fans excited, recruits excited. I think the players have bought in, the ones that I've been around. I think this has been such a feel-good period of time for Nebraska football, given what we've been through for the last two decades. So Rule's done a terrific job and not just team bonding, but getting the state of Nebraska and all of the Husker fans to bond around what they're doing. It's been fun. There's no question that it has been fun, and I think it has been mission accomplished for the most part.
Bill, the Oscars are this weekend. One of the crimes of all of the Oscars was 1984, where no nomination or win was bestowed upon Revenge of the Nerds. I look at this Oscar Olympics and I think of Revenge of the Nerds and I think of the battle between uh, Delta and Alpha mm-hmm. with the, uh, the activities, the, the Greek Olympics they had to do. Give me your top three Husker draft picks uh, if you were to reenact the, uh, that scene in Revenge of the Nerds with all of the, uh, the activities, be it the javelin, uh, the, uh, the, the Trojan horse. I'm not going there. What? <laughs> I meant <laughs> arm strength. <laughs> uh, or or the, the the Trojan horse, and I don't know who is musically inclined, uh, a la the uh, the stage and Poindexter on the violin. Hey, I, I'm going Teddy Prohaska. Uh, just because I've gotten to know him this semester, he's okay. my guy in uh, in any event that I, I need him to uh, uh, to perform in. Um, I think he can come through for uh, the Tri-Lambs. Um, uh, arm strength. Um, uh, that's a, that's a really good question. I'm hoping it would be Jeff Sims. Uh, okay. I'm a little nervous when the head football coach says I think my toughest guy specialist is the punter. And the fastest guys on the team are your fourth and fifteen quarterbacks. Uh, that might be a little bit concerning if Trey Palmer goes away and Heinrich Harburg is now the fastest guy on the team. Uh, so I'm a little nervous about that. So hopefully uh, Gilbert and Lewis can come through uh, with the pep talk to get the right guys motivated. I do want to say one thing before before I go today because this is, as I think people know. A milestone historic night in uh, in Nebraska basketball history, and I know a lot of people gathered at Rosie's thinking I was going to be there, but it was on this night, and I think people know this, and ESPN's probably going to do a 30 for 30 on it, um, that uh, 40 years ago, somebody stepped to the free throw line at the Bob Devaney Sports Center and became one of the most prolific uh, free throw shooters in the history of the Devaney Center, setting a record that will never be topped in dropping down a perfect night from the line to boost a stay in front win over O'Neill in the first round of the Class B State High School Basketball Championships. I don't want to brag too much, but, you know, I know people are talking about it, and I want to acknowledge that milestone. There are a lot of Dolman jerseys floating around here at Rosie's. What did you do at the line that night? Two pressure-packed free throws. What was the Drained him. 1,000%, okay? Nobody is ever going to top that in Bob Devaney Sports Center history from the free throw line, okay? It doesn't get any better than perfect. For you to get in. What's that? Were you ahead or behind to get in? Look, look, if I don't drain those free throws, who knows what kind of momentum could have been (laughs) generated by O'Neill. Don't hit. Well, if I don't make those free throws, maybe we don't win 89 to 56, okay? But I got to the line. I did what I was supposed to do. I was asked, and I nailed them. Pressure, perfect. Has, has Fred Hoiberg Thank had you. you down to talk with the team yet to improve their free throw shooting? That was an issue all year oh long, and God. they have such a great resource on campus. Call me. That's, you know, that, yeah, <laughs> just give me a buzz. Look, that's why one of the reasons Calvin Murphy and I got along so well, you know, 98% free throw shooter or whatever he was, and we would we'd sit there and we'd talk. You know, Rockets games going on. We talk free free throw shooting, you know. 
he's a Hall of Famer, and I was perfect at the line. But uh, I just want to – I know you guys have been talking about it, and I just want to acknowledge, yeah, 40 years ago tonight, Bob Devaney Sports Center, history was made. Perfection at the free throw line in an 89-56 win over O'Neal. J-E-F-F-S, Jeff Saar, the very best. The pride of Fairbury. A legend. At the Devaney Center, ice, (laughs) follow through, and he just let it hang. Just let it hang. Where are you going? It was like Daytona? Jordan over Russell. Well, I'm going Daytona? down to Florida for spring break. Uh, going to party like it's 1989. Uh, see if Martha Quinn and uh, Jules Asner, Tabitha Soren are still down there. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if they're still playing funky Cole Medina like they were along with the fine young cannibals. I'm going to see Good if my work. buddy Boozer Bob Frank will join me. That'll be awesome. Bill Dolman is going on spring break. Uh, What worked for me 22 years ago was before the advent of digital cameras, you had the Kodak disposable cameras. And just tell them you're Howard Stern's intern. It was wonderful. (laughs) What I forgot was my pen rods on the beach uh, mug that, you know, you could put about five five cents worth of beer in it. It was about that much. So that anyway. Yeah. Dolman, uh, make sure you get uh, oiled. oiled up and don't come back with a horrible sunburn. Uh, Bill Dolman with us. Just hoping I come back. Yeah. <laughs> Bill, you take care. Thanks for jumping in. All right. Free throws. Perfect. There he is. Go Big Red, uh, says Bill Dolman. Brady Altman's going to join us. Hail Varsity from Rosie's like continues. High-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hail Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hail Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hail Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. Ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Hale Varsity Roadshow Friday here at Rosie's 10th and P in front of uh, the night session for Boys State, the semis going on. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal were presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Uh, big thanks to Bill Dolman and Jack Ebling. We say hi to Brady Oltman's. HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Get that subscription today. Bundle the digital and print. HailVarsity.com backslash offer. Gets you a sweet little discount. Brady, you're hunkered down, man. Awesome content per the usual this week we're not far from spring ball are you headed to spring break are you and archie taking off anywhere um probably not going too far uh we might we're gonna bounce around omaha crete uh for some dome baseball next week when they host their home opener and uh I think we might, I don't know, flirting with getting down to Kansas City maybe, but that's that's about as far as we're going to go for spring break. That works well. That works well. We were talking about Coach Rule, where he came in, and the coaches ranking. And also Nebraska football, where the, the school ranks per the athletics. 
recruiting potential. Uh, let's just stick with Big Ten. What do you think about Nebraska's recruiting potential? Where do you view it? Do you view it as uh, awesome because of who's going to be on the trail? Or do you look at it, okay, it, it's in the middle of a state that's getting super competitive on a national scene with talent and then that 500 mile radius we we know nebraska has been good with over the years well right away this coaching staff has so much momentum behind it and they're they're aggressive recruiters as we've kind of talked about you know ad nauseum for three months now they're they go after it and i don't i don't see them taking the foot off the gas by any stretch of the imagination and then uh, you introduced the two LA schools in 2024, and then you've got a full, you know, coast to coast subscriber base going on with with uh, high school kids watching Big Ten football. It's going to be kind of interesting to see how the rest of the Big Ten falls out. Obviously, Ohio State, and Michigan are going to be premier brand names out there. Who knows what Michigan State does? James Franklin and Penn State. You are, I think, he's got that you know perennial top ten now going on. But then, like. Wisconsin, Wisconsin's interesting to me just because of Luke Fickle and, you know, the, the coaching change there. But I'm also kind of – it's going to take a little bit for that to get going because Phil Longo coming in, that's – he runs a, a North Carolina offense that I don't – you plug and play the Wisconsin players from last year into that. I don't think you're getting as successful as a lot of people think they will right away. So there's a lot of the, – the new, you know, the new, new across the entire Big Ten gets a lot of recruits excited. But um, – very few of those new coaches and shuffles in the Big Ten come with immediate NFL experience like this real staff does. Brady, how advantageous do you think it is for Nebraska, Matt Rule, trying to, to build a new program, I guess rebuild a new program, that Nebraska still does have one more year in the Big Ten West? The fact that they're going up against an Iowa team that's been in some turmoil. Purdue's got a new head coach. You mentioned Wisconsin with a new head coach. Really, it feels like the only team that feels like they're going to be returning some uh, some guys and you kind of know what to expect is Illinois and even then Illinois I don't want to look down upon them but they're not known as a football power so how advantageous is it that Matt Rule gets his first year in the final year of the Big Ten West before the Big Ten eventually goes to some sort of pod system I think it helps I think he might uh, a common person might prefer this last year's schedule to this upcoming schedule I mean your crossover games are a little bit more um, stout in 2023 than they were in 2024 in terms of you get you know Michigan or Indiana and Rutgers last year whereas this upcoming season you get Michigan State and and Maryland thrown in there too and Maryland's on the kind of on the upswing you think um, but it's I think it helped it certainly helps especially when you don't really know what the schedule is going to look like beyond 2023 and perennially Matt Rule's first year at, at college uh, programs have kind of it taken a little bit, but I do think, and I think we've talked about this before, and I'll agree, Nebraska's in a much better spot year one than Temple or Baylor were when Matt Rule took over. So it's a little bit more prime for immediate success. And based upon what this, how close this team was for years coming into it, I think it it um, it it makes you kind of marinate on that a little bit more and think that maybe maybe immediate success is a possibility. And Brady, from a recruiting point of view, how important is it to to find success in year one in order to build momentum. You kind of see Michigan State, you thought they would have built a lot of momentum in year one, and we talked about this with Jack Elving, took a bit of a step back in year two, and part of that was a more difficult schedule. But how important, from a recruiting point of view, is it that Nebraska builds some momentum in year one and get some wins under the belt? 
I I don't know if it imme- I don't know if it immediately matters because you can sell kids on the vision. I mean, as long like the golden rule, I guess, and I learned from uh, covering the from covering the, co- the the coaching search, and now with Matt Rule is kind of even mentioned. The, the trouble is getting kids up to Lincoln. Once you get them on campus, you show them, you know, the pageantry, the history, the fans, everything. You the new facilities. You put them in that position, and people think, oh, Lincoln isn't just you know cornfields all over the place with a stadium that popped out of it. Like they they can they can see themselves in it, um, and I think players these days kind of like the idea of being a part of a turnaround program. They like to see themselves of like, Hey, I can contribute to that turnaround. Uh, but also when you get uh, the top quarterback in the country also looking and visiting, I think people want to be a part of that too. So uh, immediate success, I think it, it matters, but it, it, I wouldn't say that it's uh, imperative for rule to, to kind of get the ball rolling and get bowl eligible to build recruits on year one. Brady Oltman's with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine, at Brady Oltman's on Twitter. We're down here at Rosie's 10th and P, getting you cranked up for state boys basketball, the semifinals. Okay, uh, Matt Rule either was hungry for barbecue or has got the, uh, the, uh, the itch to go hit the Kansas City Metro. I think both, but Nebraska's done well historically from the John Garrisons to the Malik Collinses to the Brendan Kennys of the world just in the last 10 to 15 years. Can Nebraska get back and, and flex Brady, not only in Kansas City, but also Missouri? Because that state's really been good to, uh, to, to Nebraska. You include Kansas City with Missouri, but the state overall uh, beyond Kansas City for, for Missouri. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about the, the Texas connections, but really this, this coaching staff has connections all over. Even on Wednesday, Rule and I think EJ Barthel, Rob Dvorak, and I want to say there's one other assistant, but I can't remember who it was off the top of my head, went and spoke to the Kansas City Coaches Convention uh, or Greater Kansas City uh, Football Coaches uh, Convention on Wednesday. And that, I mean, that's a great thing that they like to do. They like to reach out to these coaches uh, associations and get to know guys, get to know different football coaches. And it's, and that's, they made a living in Texas doing that. They kind of want to do that in the Midwest as well. And it helps when you get like Williamson Wari is an incredible athlete out of Lee summit in greater Kansas city. And then they just uh, are, are trying really hard to get uh, Ryan Wingo, uh, probably the best athlete or the best recruit, I should say out of St. Louis area. So you've got the best recruit out of Kansas city and the best athlete out of St. Louis, and then throw in Andrew Sprague from Rockhurst, which is I guess in the Kansas side of, of Kansas city, but you can put those, the top two guys out of Kansas city, best guy out of St. Louis. They want to bring them all for the VIP junior day later this, this month. And it, when you go after the top guys, people want to follow that success. And I think it, it's also kind of an indictment of rules coaching staff that they're so aggressive. They're not afraid to go after the top guy and try to get them. Brady, how VIP do you think that recruiting weekend later in March is going to be? We were hitting yesterday on the Arch Manning visit to Texas that sold him where they're spending uh, over $300,000 on a weekend for nine recruits, giving them what they called the full Texas experience and really rolling out the red carpet. Can we expect something similar from Nebraska later in March, or is that not Matt Rule style? I don't think that that's really a style. Um, I kind of chuckle at the VIP point because at this point it's almost like a Costco membership where really you just kind of, you know, it's <laughs> the, VI- the VIP thing is more by title only. But um, I, it's one thing that I, I think Damon Benning and I kind of talked about on Monday um, on his show was like this, 
they're, they're willing to just keep the doors open. And if somebody wants to come into practice, like, you know, Ashton um, from Elkhorn South, he came in this last week and just like showed up, you know, uh, for a weekday visit just out of nowhere. And they didn't roll out the red carpet. They didn't have, you know, the, the big lights and everything turned on for him. And even Rula said, come, you know, invite kids to spring, spring ball and spring practice. Show them what it's like. And if they can see themselves getting better and playing in Matt Rule's system and in practice, all for it. Some kids, it's not for them. By all means, you know, they, they wish them the best. If it's not at Nebraska, so be it. So that, that's just kind of the rule mindset and how they're approaching recruiting. But obviously, they, I think, I don't exactly know logistically what it's going to look like, but this is a, a huge recruiting weekend, the likes of which Nebraska recruiting hasn't seen possibly ever. 25th will be huge. Want to get your take here. A couple of minutes left. Uh, What's your gauge here on the, and we we don't have the air raid silent ready ready yet, but uh, Dylan Riola, uh, the USC Nebraska arm wrestling match. uh, Since it is Oscars weekend, I reference Revenge of the Nerds with Dolman. I'll reference Over the Top with you. And, uh, you know, I don't know if, if Nebraska's Stallone in this or not, if the hat's backward or not, but uh, it seems like USC's picked up some momentum. Yeah, um, I'm not going to stop the truck stop. This this 18-wheeler is going to keep on rolling with that <laughs> reference. But um, it's it, – I, I don't see him doing any sort of um, commitment or any sort of decision before he takes all of his visits. And – um, kind of the latest thing we know he definitely wanted to visit Oregon after all and it sounds like he's going to end up visiting Oregon at the end of April so you can I'd be I'd be extremely surprised if he makes any sort of commitment through April expect him kind of a, a maybe a May commitment again um, who knows what he's going to be looking at in terms of spring game there's a possibility I guess timing wise that he is in Lincoln for Nebraska spring game because it is about the week before Oregon spring game uh, but that's nothing. None of that's confirmed. That's just kind of up in the air as a possibility. So that's kind of what it's looking like right now. Just about two, two more months of long, long waiting for Husker fans to decide if if this is actually going to happen and they get the on grade the best recruit that Nebraska football has ever got. Well, not only is it Husker fans waiting, Brady. I feel like there's also a lot of top recruits around the country waiting for a decision of a guy like Dylan Raiola too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a reason why. So I think a big part of getting Dylan Rayola in for that VIP media or junior day is having all those guys, the five stars, the four stars that want to be a part of it. And you've got even, you know, guys like Davon Hall who have said like, Hey, Dylan hit me up. I'm have my phone number and we talk, we text. Like he, he's a guy that kind of, you gravitate towards a guy like that. And kids want to play, you know, with a guy like that. So I, I think that definitely there's a little bit of groundswell there. I'm sure that that's happening at Georgia and USC all over the place. But at Nebraska, that's just there's a there's a kind of momentum there that Nebraska typically doesn't see. Brady, enjoy your weekend. We'll get caught up again. Thanks for squeezing us in today. Always appreciate you, man. Yeah, good to see you guys. All right, there he is. Brady Altman's hunkered down, talking uh, ball with us here on Hale Varsity here at Rosie's 10th and P. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Hale Varsity, live at Rosie's. Tenth and P ahead of state basketball, the semis tonight. The championship Saturday commences. All your coverage, all your info. Jacob Padilla's got it with HaleVarsity.com and magazine at Jacob Padilla underscore. He is courtside at PBA. We've got a large contingent of 
The Metro in here. We've got our friends from Beatrice in here. Hayes Center uh, out in full force. They're a little bummed about earlier today. Uh, and uh, big thanks to Jacob for making time. Jacob, how are we doing? How's the day treated you? Pretty good. Uh, we got some uh, pretty good games so far. Then we got a blowout, although that blowout included a pretty special uh, performance that was fun to watch. So we got a little bit of everything so far uh, here today. Got a near shot at the buzzer that could have tied a game that got erased from the weak side and that Scott game. So uh, fun start to the day so far. It was uh, a ton of fun to watch, and uh, things are, are shaping up. I want to get into tonight's matchup you've seen the metro all season long and it was fun to talk about lincoln getting to pba and 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 right now you've got kind of your four big dogs that are poised again bell west uh, let's start there and west side thoughts on this matchup that gets going here shortly and then tonight of course uh, gretna and millard north uh pretty exciting uh, couple of ball games tonight at pba you'll be covering yeah, the, uh, the leap Westside made from the first meeting in the Metro Holiday Tournament to the final game of the regular season uh, were phenomenal. And they made LV West than anybody has all season. Uh, they had a chance to win that thing at the buzzer, and the shot didn't fall. Uh, so um, they know they can do it. They know they can play with these guys. Now it's just a matter of coming out and executing and seeing if we can get another classic. Uh, I think the key will be for kind of the supporting cast. Uh, I know Ricky Lofton uh, came up big in the, the quarterfinal win for Westside, 10 points off the bench. They get 10 points off the bench from him, in addition to what you can probably expect you're going to get from the starters. They got a chance to hang around, especially if maybe he outscores someone like a Stephen Bullichick, who hit some big shots for Bellevue West uh, in, in that regular season finale win. Um, and, and then we got a couple uh, phenomenal uh, guard play here with Caleb Benning uh, and C.J. Mitchell for Westside. Caleb's one of the best defenders in the state. We know how good Josiah Dotsler is. We know how good Jaden Jackson is. Um, so it's going to be fun to watch uh, th- those four kind of battle it out all night long. Jacob, I'm, gl- I'm glad you mentioned the regular season finale because Westside pushed Bellevue West harder than anybody this year in that regular season finale. And I want to get your take. Was that Bellevue West letting the foot off the gas, knowing they already had the one seed locked up and knowing uh, that postseason was right around the corner, what they did in the finale wasn't going to be all that important? Or is that real? Was Westside really giving Bellevue West all they could handle in that game? No, I, I think Bell West—they they definitely showed up to play. Like they're—I'm pretty sure they want the, like they want this undefeated record. As far as they've gone, like all right, let's just finish this thing off. They went in that game ready to play. And credit to uh, Westside—they just made big plays. They played really well. Um, I think Josiah Dotsler didn't have a great game. Maybe maybe pushed uh, pressed a little bit, made some uh, took some tough shots, and I think that allowed Westside to, to kind of hang around. There's some foul trouble, some back and forth that, that changed the game a little bit too. So uh, no, it's definitely a case more so of Westside elevating where they are and where they're playing down the stretch uh, compared to the first half of the season, as opposed to Belly West just kind of letting their foot off the gas. I think. Let's get your take on Gretna and Millard North. Gaith and company are very, very good. Gretna and Pekorski, Wilcoxon. I mean, they that Southeast game was a lot of fun to do. 
And uh, what a job by Gretna in winning time to seize that and hit some tough shots, specifically Prokorski. Uh, he is such a gamer, man. What what do you see shaking out tonight? I'm not asking you to be weird with the prediction, but just uh, how, what are a couple keys, I guess, for, for each squad here? How does Gretna move on to the title? How's Millard North get back there to, to try and three-peat? Well, and how about that uh, that shot from uh, Alex Wilcox? The only shot he made from the field of the game was that dagger three, uh, where ball comes through it. Like, you can run some time off the clock. It's late. Nah, I'm running this thing fly. I haven't hit one all day. Doesn't matter. That's the kind of confidence that kid plays with. And he knocked it down uh, to, to really essentially seal that game for Bretton. So, um, yeah, uh, last time I saw these guys, another phenomenal game that went down to the stretch, and it was an Elijah Gates game winner. Uh, Elijah Gath game winner there to to give uh, North North a victory in their own gym. So it was pretty evenly matched uh, game here, I think, between the two sides and the way they're playing down the stretch here. Gretna is just so tough. They, they make you work really hard with their, their different defenses, so the way they kind of switch in and out of their zones, their mans, their, their, their pressure, their trapping. Uh, and Miller North, they, they, they've got some, some talented players and the key really is, I think, uh, Gath there. Like, if he's making good decisions, if he's making tough plays, then they're really hard to beat. Um, he, I mean, that last week, uh, he multiple, like two game winners in a row for for uh, Gretna, or for Miller North against Gretna, and then followed it up. I think, I think against Papio South it was hit another game winner, uh, put back at the buzzer uh, to give him that one. And he's he's the kind of kid that can impact the game in a lot of different ways. He's a really good rebounding guard. He can score and he can set up other guys. So if they can get really good good decision making from him, uh, and Neil Moss are knocking down shots, he was on fire in their quarterfinal win. Uh, that, that really is the key. When Moss is hitting shots, that kind of opens up the floor for a guy like Derek Rollins to, to work in the post for um, Gas to get downhill uh, and score that one. So uh, they're really tough to beat when, when Moss is hitting. Uh, for Gretna, it is kind of the same thing. Like, Wilcoxon is hitting. Uh, he's a guy that's not a lot, not afraid to, to let it fly from anywhere. And I think the key will be Pekorski, his decision-making, and his efficiency inside the arc. Uh, he, he's a guy that will take a lot of tough shots. Ones. Um, then they'll have a chance to kind of score uh, more often than not. And then it all starts with him. Once, uh, when, when, if he's going well, you've really got to draw the defense. And that opens up the floor for a Jeff Rosell to go to work inside for those kickout open threes for, for Wilcox in there. So I really am kind of looking at the point guard for each of these teams to kind of determine how the game's going to be played. Jacob, last thought here, about 30 seconds. I know you got to get the national anthem here in just a second, but among the teams playing tonight, which two do you think would make for the most intriguing matchup for your Saturday, your championship Saturday, I should say? Uh, that's, that's a good, good question. Um, we saw Gretna push the Bellevue West earlier in the season uh, and then kind of um, pull away late. But we also saw Bell West beat uh, North North by 20. Uh, the, the last time they played. And either way, I think both those teams, if they play their best, can ha- have the pieces that can that, that can compete with with, um, with West. I guess I'll go Miller North, just because I think maybe there's a little bit more upside there, a little 
they can beat you with uh, more ways, maybe than you ever can, I think. They've just got a few more pieces. Uh, but there's no disrespect to Brandon, who's had a phenomenal season. They're locked in there as tough as anybody's beat. Jake, appreciate you, bud. Keep up the amazing work. Courtside at Gabadillo underscore HailVarsity.com. Enjoy tonight. We'll see you tomorrow, bud. Thank you. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time here at Rosie's State Tournament. Semis going on at PBA. Tenth and Peace, where your headquarters is. If you're in town or going to head down for state basketball, and of course, stop here for all your championship Saturday needs here at Rosie's Tenth and P. Munchie and the crew will take care of you. Elijah Herbal back in studio. Chris Schmidt. A lot of folks have popped by to say what's up. Always appreciate you doing so. And uh, we've had a hell of a good time here the last couple of weeks. For Girls and Boys State, Hale Varsity presented by Currency. For all your equipment, financing needs, go Currency. Tom asks a great question, Tom, and we did not get to it in time before Jacob had to get ready for uh, the B semi or the A semifinal coverage. Yeah, Fred's going to be looking at in-state kids. Uh, you've got a, a plethora of kids that have shown out not only all season but this weekend. And uh, yeah, I'm sure Nebraska is going to keep an eye on on a number of the in-state kids. I mean, Dotzler's a wild guy. I know Jackson just got offered by UNO. The trick is, especially with some of the smaller schools, what can translate? And ball, guys who ball can ball. I mean, look at, and even Sammy Hoiberg, and, and he played at Pius, kicked butt at Pius. He's shown the ability to, to make an impact and do well in Big Ten foot in Big Ten basketball, so yeah, you've got to be uh, right with your projection. But yeah, I don't I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that, that Fred looks at a couple of Metro or Lincoln kids. You've just not been able to get the Metro kids to come to Lincoln. Nebraska's had a high number, Elijah, of kids go elsewhere. You look at Chucky that's at Wisconsin, the the kid from Grand Island, uh, Trout that's at Virginia, and. Of course, uh, Hunter Salas is doing really nice things in his role at Gonzaga. So uh, that, that in-state emphasis isn't just a football thing. I get it. Yeah, whenever I, th- I think about the kind of guys that Fred Hoiberg wants for his team, you got to think of guys within the state tournament that are shooters. That seems to be the, the be-all, and I shouldn't say the be-all, end-all, but the, the number one most important thing that Fred Hoiberg looks for is if you can come out of high school being a shooter, we can refine that, and then we can add other skills to your game. And whenever I think about that, I think Jaden Jackson at Bellevue West is a great, great option. Uh, seems to be a, a, a guy that knocks down the three with some regularity, even more than I, I'd say a guy like Josiah Dotzler. Dotzler's so great off the dribble that I think he'll end up on his and feet no matter where he goes. he's locked in on Creighton anyway. You yeah, know? yeah, but uh, I don't think he was ever going to be a, a, a guy that Nebraska was truthfully all that serious upon just because you look at the Creighton factor and what, how he plays the game of basketball. I don't think that was ever quite a fit, but... Jaden Jackson's a possibility, and I guess you're going to wait and see who performs in a, a state tournament of this magnitude. You know, you get into the final four games. I think uh, what these guys do over the next two games, the next two days, is going to play a factor in their recruitment, especially for the guys such as Jaden Jackson, who are juniors that have a full college recruitment ahead of them. Well, we uh, want to make sure you tune in tomorrow, 7.30, the weekend edition of Hale Varsity Radio. 
myself, Elijah Herbo, Mr. Mark Cranach. I'll uh, be able to catch that on the uh, Hale Varsity YouTube channel, the uh, KFOR Facebook and Twitter channel, and, of course, the Hale Varsity radio Twitter handle locally here on KFOR. We will have championship coverage tomorrow at 6, coming up at 7.45 tonight. Jeff Motes will have Parkview Christian in action. Big thanks to everyone who stopped on down here at Rosie's. Uh, 10th and P, uh, incredible times down here. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning, 7.30 weekend edition with Hale Varsity presented by Currency. Take care. A Huda Media Production.